Hey, welcome to the latest Shoot This Now. My name's Tim Malloy. I'm Matt Donnelly. We're just talking about Marky Mark and how to do a perfect Marky Mark imitation. I think that Tim has a fantastic Marky Mark impression and he doesn't think so. But I, I think you should try it for the people at home. I disagree. I think the Sandberg Marky Mark where he does the tell your mother, say, say hi to your mother for me. Yeah, say hi to your mother for me is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, what I try to do is do the really, really polite Mark because I don't think anyone's cornered that. No. And so like when my lady friend is mad at me, she's from Boston. I'm sorry. My wife, she's my she's wife, your wife now, now, is mad at me. I try to go like super, super like gentle, sweet Mark. Like, I don't know. Like maybe we should just go to dinner with your friends and... And we should go to brunch with your friends after that. And then we could go to lunch with your friends. So it's like, you know, that's our that's our thing. But we're not going to talk about Mark. No, Mark. And by the way, no. I like that everybody just calls him Marky Mark still. It's I know. It's so messed up. I feel like because Mark Wahlberg like, is a complicated figure. And Marky Mark is full of simplicity and comfort. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, We were talking about him because you wrote a big story about Marky Mark. We did. We wrote a Mark Wahlberg story today about, and we, we still can't agree on this. Um, mm-hmm. Well, not can't agree on this, but there's a story that... Michelle Williams was paid something like one percent of. I'm not laughing at that. The salary? No, he's laughing at the pay gap. Um, no, he's not. Um, there's a story that Mark Wahlberg got paid like something like 1.5 million dollars to reshoot Ridley Scott's All the Money in the World. Michelle Williams got eighty dollars. Michelle a day Williams got diem. in a per diem. And we were arguing about whether a per diem is payment. Per diem is not compensation you get for doing your job. But Tim Malloy, who clearly is a secret genius lawyer, no. pointed out something very valid that. Per diem is money you have for travel and expenses that you wouldn't otherwise have received unless you got a job. So in some planet, that is compensation. <laughs> and I'm not saying it's good compensation. <laughs> it's not cool. Yeah. No um, one's saying that's enough. I just think it's different from salary. So in effect, Mark Wahlberg did get paid in general for reshoots and Michelle Williams did not. The other weird thing is I'm a giant Michelle Williams fan yeah. and I had to like take the side that she was getting some pay yeah, and making it sound like I was this like chauvinist monster who was, come on, she got $1,000. What are you guys complaining about? Yeah. Which is not how I feel at all. I think Michelle Williams is fantastic. She I think is. she should have gotten an Oscar for Manchester by the Sea. Aww. And I think her Boston accent is better than Marky Mark's. <laughs> Kidding. 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 No. Well. Oh, it's really good. So this week you brought us something very interesting from the podcast. Yes, the podcast. I am not the most avid podcast listener because I'm a busy journalist with this editor who works me to the bone. Someone please send help. I'm just kidding. It's Tim Malloy. No. Um, I'm just, I, I, I prefer my Netflix and my shows and I am always have one movie I haven't seen. So I, I'm not a big podcaster um, or podcast listener. But one thing that came to my attention like a year and a half ago that I became so obsessed with um, because it's so emotional and it's so, it just hit me where I lived. And like, it's almost in a way where it's like tragedy porn where I listen to it sometimes just when I feel nothing and want to feel something. Yeah. Um, isn't that weird when you do that with sad stuff or am I the only one? Am I a sociopath? Podcasts are very good at this. Yeah. It's just like a very small musical cue or like a little change. Yes. really does get you. And like, I used to run and listen to podcasts mm-hmm. a lot and running in LA makes me very emotional sometimes because like. Sometimes you almost get hit by cars and you just sort of see your life flash before your eyes. And then wow. you like think about like, what do I value and what do I not value and what am I wow. doing out here? And then you're listening to this podcast about someone, you know, losing a child or, you know, a marriage breaking up or something like that. And it's just, it's, it's, it's almost like watching a movie and flying. Yeah. I would say running and listening to podcasts is the equivalent of watching a movie and flying. That's such a great point. Yeah. Because when you watch movies, obviously you will cry at anything on a plane yeah 
as has been well documented in countless stories. Google it, <laughs> Google it, Google it. Um, um, I think there's actually a podcast about yeah, it. Yeah, there probably is. There probably is. Running and crying and listening. And to I it. feel like Cameron Diaz is shooting a movie about watching movies <laughs> on planes. Um, but this, the, I, and I, by the way, I, I wish I knew how this, this had come to me because I don't, I don't have people that share stuff, and, and I, I don't. Um, I have friends that always like to do hear this podcast, and then I'm like, no, no, get away from me. Um, so I don't know how I discovered this, but the podcast in question is Love and Radio, which is a beautiful program. And one of the installments of that program is an episode called The Living Room, mm-hmm. um, which is a story. It's a first-person narrative. It's sort of like a, I, I hate, this probably sounds stupid, but verbal essay. Can I say that? Is that does that hold up? A monologue. It's monologue, sure, sure. But it's, it imparts something. I think it, it, it imparts, um, it's, her name is Diane Wipert. She's a writer and she's a filmmaker. In Los Angeles, and I'm just going to tell you a little bit about it. Yeah. Here's what it is. It is set up as the story of a writer, and, and I think she was, at the time, she was working as a journalist, and her husband, who also has some kind of nebulous creative job, and they had their first mm-hmm. child, and they live in an apartment building in East Los Angeles. And across the way from them, across a courtyard, but I would assume so close enough for discomfort, there was a view, a perfectly plain view into this apartment across the way. Um, and she said it was so vivid, it was like a little movie screen when they looked out mm-hmm. of their window to the curtains, uh, or out of uh, their curtains across the way. Um, and the people that lived there were this very young couple mm-hmm. um, who, let, let's say, very much enjoyed each other and their they're, own they're flesh. Absolutely beautiful couple. They can see them whenever they're getting intimate. Intimate. And but also like and that doesn't just mean carnally, like they can see them having breakfast on the roof. They can see them chasing each other around the bed with perfect hard naked bodies. Um and it goes on like this where she's sort of establishing how uncomfortable this is and she what I love too is that she's like, am I like a fussy old lady now? Like, am I so uncool that I like am yelling at the hot teenagers to keep it down? They're very like gawkily alive. Mm -hmm. They're very, very in everything they do all the time. And she's seeing this and she's kind of like slowing down. Like I'm now stepping back a little bit. I'm responsible for raising this other, this other life. My husband and I are kind of like almost, um, kind of like the surrogates or assistants or handmaidens of this child. Yeah. Um, and like, as someone who just delivered a baby, doesn't want a screaming reminder for her or her husband of a vital, young, tight-bodied yeah. woman. And, and and I'm sure the husband had some insecurities about, or maybe I'm sure, if the husband wasn't enjoying it, might have had lingering well, insecurity about that'll it. That'll be in the movie. Yes, Definitely yes. Definitely the husband will. The husband will be Greg Kinnear and he will like it. Oh, that's good. Um, thanks. Uh, and maybe the woman is Julianne Moore. Okay. So anyway, right. yeah. um, so the story sort of sets up this way, and, and I, I'm totally anticipating, and I like this kind of stuff, I'm anticipating this, like, you know, meet West Coast media people problems, little character study, and maybe she has a confrontation, and maybe she learns something unexpected about the girl. And there and, was a movie kind of like this last year, the Noah Baumbach movie, um, um, with Ben Stiller and, you know, Adam Drivers. And oh, while we're young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind yeah. of the same idea, like, a, not middle-aged, but like a... Older, young, younger, middle yes. or like old, are, old, older people who are finally getting around to starting to taking to growing up and starting families, like when they're probably forty, which is the new normal, which is I guess. But they're from a generation that doesn't think that's the age to start. Anyway, I was expecting that to be, it. and then the whole thing takes this turn 
and I'm already feeling like vapors. It takes this whole left turn where um, all of a sudden this beautiful sort of screen they have, this, this lens into their lives, that they, they don't show up. They don't turn up for days and maybe even weeks at a time. The, the apartment's dark, or, or I think there was one lamp left on, mm-hmm. but in a really suspicious way about how no one had been tending to the place in a while. And she kind of forgot about them because they, they have a brand new baby running around. Um, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she comes home or, or looks out one night and there's a girl in the window who is heavier and she's drawn um, and she's sort of mopey. And then there's a guy with her who is just emaciated and just sort of a shell from herself. And she quickly realizes it's the couple. It's the couple that she had been watching with envy and resentment for weeks. And, and there's clearly some kind of illness happening the guy's just disappearing and she's been really worried and is trying to take care of him yeah and their youth is over right and they're, they're still I think that the age that they are but this has confronted them and it's this horrible oh my god I'm like kidding um, so all of a sudden it sort of clicks into now she has this narrative that she never wanted to be part of that she's been witnessing and, and is resentful of that she now feels completely attached to and frankly I think anybody would be um, yeah, yeah. and and the other thing too that I keep thinking of, maybe we should talk about this at the end of this but um, my my argument is if you when you see people that vividly yeah. um, even if we all have neighbors or if you don't you did at one point um, my I always believe there's no way you can't see me just as clearly. I don't know if the yeah. sun hits my windows at a certain point during the day, but there's got to be one moment in life where you have to see me. Well, you tell yourself that no one can see in your windows, but yeah. you can see out their windows. <laughs> do you do this? Do you have this thought? I have this thought all the time. I, like, get out of the shower and walk around or something, and then I'm like, what if somebody sees me? And then I, like, get in trouble because they saw me. And then I imagine myself, like, in court going, like, let me get this straight, Your Honor. This person opportunistically looks through my window in my private home while I'm coming out of the shower, and I'm a sex offender? I... Is that like a persecution complex? I don't have that... I have that thought all the time. I don't have that thought literally at all. Um, Because the other thing that's going on right now is they're mm -hmm. fixing the side of our building, so we've had, like, work dudes on a scaffolding right outside. As recently as today, I had to slam the door shut really quick. Because there was a dude out on the balcony. Oh, my God. And, like, through the, through the gauzy curtain. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. What if this guy is, like, goes and complains to, like, you know, his supervisor. Like, <laughs> the guy was there again. I think he's, like, trying to flash me. What's... Yeah, so normal people don't think that way? Um, no, I mean, I, I'll admit this, and I hope it'll make you uncomfortable. I probably shouldn't even say this. There are sure. times when if I have to die, I won't say the rap. How about at other jobs, if I have to do conference calls where I'm on video conference, I won't wear pants oh. if I'm just being broadcast on the waist up. I won't, like, so be bottomless. I'm wearing a meeting with you. Ah. On our Monday meeting, pretty much any time you're there, you're not wearing pants, we should assume. N- no. If I, no. And not <laughs> that I'm not wearing pants, but, like... It, Sometimes if I'm traveling, like at Christmas time, if I'm home and I have to call in for a meeting or a video conference, I'll dress professional oh, from the waist everyone, up. Everyone, everyone then that. And then maybe some, maybe once or twice I haven't been in intimates, only on the bottom. Maybe. But then I always have this feeling of what if like I stand up or what if something happens, there's an emergency and then people just see like underwear and then can I be sued for indecent exposure? But I can't believe I'm revealing this on, on the Hugo podcast. Hugo Boss should make a suit. That is like a really nice suit yes. from like the top up and sweatpants from the bottom down. A thousand million percent. I don't know why or I like, chose Hugo Boss for that. I know. It's, it's a really weird one. More ridiculous. Um, or like mesh gym shorts. <laughs> um, anyway. Okay. So. <laughs> flip flops and socks. <laughs> Pajama rolls. Um, so anyway. Uh, yes. 
I, I just uh, I love how there, there's never any kind of acknowledgement of her on their side. But anyway, so she starts obsessively, this writer and this new mom, obsessively following the so, progress of this pending disease that is, that is um, terminal. And then when things actually come to a really big point where she would like to go and talk to one of them, mm-hmm. um, she can't because they don't know her. Right. She knows them. Yeah. She's known them for years, I think, by the end. Yeah. But they don't know her at all. She's just this person. Right. So one of the things that I like about this, I always like every story where, like, it's like the romantic comedy trope where they get together in some artificial way. Like, he, let's say the classic... Um, Magazine article? What? The, ma- magazine article is perfect. Yeah. Yes, magazine article. Yeah. She's a reporter. She's <laughs> covering him to like, you know, write the profile. Then they actually fall in love. And then at some point she's like, I have to tell you something. I work for Vanity Fair. And he's like, oh, <laughs> hell no. I'm running for Congress. And then he runs away. And yeah. then she has to like say, but I've been trying to profile you. I fell in love. And yeah. like, we, all, we love that movie. Yeah. Everybody loves that movie. Yeah. Or he's a spy. Yeah. Or she, you know, made a bet with her friend that she could bring yeah. the biggest nerd ever to the prom or whatever. <laughs> we love that point. But like in this movie, what is the point which she should have like gone down there and gone like, hey yeah. guys, you need to get curtains because I'm obsessed right. in your life. Right. Or or even um, she she said that when she thought that when they were like in the very beginning when she thought she was just being approved, she was thinking about putting up a sign in the window, but she absorbed that sort of like she didn't want to seem like such a such a dullard and I, and I I get that because it's almost like um are you ever like I'm not a, I'm a very affectionate person but sometimes I'm I'm uncomfortable with PDA with couples kissing oh, and yeah. then I and this wow this is way too revealing but inevitably I realize the reason I'm uncomfortable is because I feel not excluded but like I guess jealous or 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 no. confronted with the fact that I might not be in a position to enjoy that I, Does that make sense? Or am I a fucking loser? No, no, no. Yeah. When I was, at one point, when I was, like, super single, and gay marriage was, like, a big thing. Yeah. Like, it was, like, <laughs> I can't wait for this. 2004, yeah. when it was, like, first becoming, like, a topic of discussion, yeah. like, this could realistically happen. Right. I saw this gay couple who were, like, super happy, and they were so happy. <laughs> and I was, they were, like, super cuddly, and, yeah. like, holding hands, and, like, mm. kisses on the cheek and stuff. And they walked by, and I made this face just, like... Fuck these guys. <laughs> and, I was, and I was totally just like, I hate happy people. Like, I got dumped. <laughs> I, went, I had almost like, no, 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 no. no, no. Not because no. you're gay. I don't hate you for that no, no. reason. I hate you because you're happy. Yeah, exactly. No, no. The gay thing's um, fine. But she, she did say she thought about putting a sign in. And I think now, like, what if she had risked looking like a prude to have spared herself yeah. sort of coming on board with this tragedy? And then there is, so not to um, spoil it for you, but he, he, he passes away and chooses to... <laughs> to pass away in that apartment where they were happy and held those memories. Oh my god, I'm gonna cry. Um, but there's a moment at the end of the narrative where they go to remove his body. His mother had come toward the end to nurse him to death. That's the mm-hmm. way you say that. Um, it's not convalesce because that implies recovery. Um, it's like hospice care, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And then they, she sees the coroner come and take him out, and she knows that this is the end of the story. And I think. Obviously, because she's a writer and a filmmaker, I think that she didn't want to be absent from the end of the story. Mm-hmm. So she she says that she gets her coat and she runs downstairs, and I'm picturing that there's a baby sitting in a crib somewhere, mm-hmm. which is, I don't think she's abandoned her child, but I love that image of, like, mm-hmm. I have to see how this ends, and it doesn't matter if I have childcare or not. I'm out the door in my pajamas and my, and my coat. And she says she sees the body being taken down and loading into an ambulance, and, and the woman is standing there 
who she's been looking at for a year or however long, and the mother. And she said they looked at her, but they sort of looked through her because they thought she was Mm -hmm. just a looky-loo neighbor. Mm -hmm. But really, isn't that all she is anyway? But the poignancy of that. So I'm I'm like on my fifth cry by that point. Do you end it right there? Where do you end it? She ends it. So she talks about that. Where would you end it? Oh, um, here's where I would end it. And this is where I I, I don't think I'll cry during this. But what's crazy, uh, what means the most to me about the, the whole podcast is... She went away. She says that the guy dies, take him out of the apartment, and the, girl, and the girl goes away. She kept the apartment for whatever reason. I think there was some kind of feeling that Lisa had come up, but she decided to keep it. She oh. kept the apartment. Her sister or someone who looked like her from her family came to stay with her for a while. And then she said, oh, my God, I can't even handle it. She said that she saw her one night um, just dancing in her bedroom yeah. in a T-shirt to her music. And she said, but I, but I wish she knew, not that I was this sort of um, inexplicable party to this tragedy, but I wish that she knew that there were people out in the world like really rooting for her. Oh. Um, that, to me, is what the story is. And I'm going to... That is about it. to cry. Yeah, I am. That that's, is so... That's that the is, story to that me. That is so... Yeah. Because I, like I feel like it's like a really L.A., um, modern, digital, guardian angel kind of story. Yeah. Like, we all have those fairy godmothers, I think. That Even if they're strangers, just like wish you well. Yeah. So, make that movie. I got... And it should be Julianne Moore and Dakota Johnson. Oh, that is really good. <laughs> Who's the guy? Greg Kinnear. Oh, the guy? The guy oh, guy. God. I think he should be tall, but handsome. Andrew Garfield? Um, or should we get a blonde? Well... Or diverse? Well, I'm not being very diverse. I'm sorry. One thing about him is he... Is he has a total physical breakdown. Yeah. So it's like... Christian Bale? That was a bad joke. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> well, that's Christian Bale's favorite thing. He's like, I'll do it. Yeah, he's like, I'll do I'll it. Do it. <laughs> and it's 20 years younger. CGI. No, CGI. Like, you have to lose 80 pounds in a month. No, 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 no. I know. And you have I to appear know. 26. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. There are no bad-looking Welsh people, by the way. No. He's I, Welsh? I thought it was Australian. Isn't he Welsh? No. He's Catherine Zeta Jones is Welsh. No, she's she's one of the other Hold on. Hold up. <laughs> Dun, Wait. Dun, 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 um, anyway, so I, I just think it's it's riveting. And the only other thing that was um, so funny about me, English is English. She's not even Welsh. Wales is part of England. Fine. Christian Bale is, is what? All right. Isn't Wales its own you country? Go on. I'll, I'll search. Don't. I'll search. If Wales is not its own country, please cut that from the podcast. So it's going to go to a little fucking moron. I'm pretty sure. By the way, Tim has been using this shark pen for a week, yeah. and I feel like it lends him authority that he hasn't quite earned. It's not but my um, okay. So I, I think that it should be made. I think it's beautiful, and I think it's um, it's heartbreaking, but I think it's ultimately uplifting. The only funny thing I'll say is that afterwards, I, I became obsessed with it, and I tried to find her. And I, I won't lie, I wanted to see if anyone had optioned it, because I was, like, like we first concede. Do you always have that moment when you hear these stories, and you're like, I'm going to write this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to get $1,000, yeah. and I'm going to buy the rights for six months. And then you don't. Yeah. You order pizza, and you cry yourself to sleep over a podcast, <laughs> and then you, you come to work, and yeah. Um, but the people, some of the people who saw the podcast and absorbed it were really, really incensed by her mm. participation and like said it was beyond voyeurism and it was selfish and how dare you sort of have any kind of self-actualization in someone's tragedy. But in the end, um, uh, it doesn't matter. Oh, by the way, I should say two weeks after the t-shirt, she saw her dancing in the t-shirt, the woman put curtains up and she never saw in there again. Oh my God. And, like, there's got to be a scene earlier on in the movie where they set up what curtains means. Yeah. Because they say, like, isn't that, like, the first thing you do when you turn 25? Like, I've heard that, like, turning 25 means 
you stop taping posters to your wall. And you yeah. Stop oh, that's so true. And, and another one is like um, a dust a dust ruffle. dust ruffle. Dust mm-hmm. ruffle is a big one. And another yeah. one is like you start to put up curtains. Like you yeah. start to put up. Because when you're, there's nobody under 25 That's who curtains, cares no. about curtains. Unless your parents got them for you, yeah. Unless your parents, like, made you obsessed with privacy. Yeah, or or, or installed them themselves into your apartment. Sure. My mother oh, yeah. put up curtains in my apartment, and oh, I never used a, them. That's a good mother. Yeah. No, I, but I think she just wanted to criticize. Sorry, Mom. My it's true. <laughs> you, you were just like, this room needs something. I'm like, no, it doesn't. You just want to do something. And she's like, how about curtains? I'm like, no. And then she bought them, and she put them in. My brother and I... I love them, Mom. My brother and I only lived in our parents' house when we were children. <laughs> oh, you did? We That's where you lived? We staple things up over... We didn't have... Our parents, our adult parents, <laughs> you didn't give us curtains or blinds. Or, let's be honest, probably they gave us curtains and blinds and we broke them because we were monsters. Um, and we stapled up sheets and blankets and stuff so oh, we wouldn't have to see the sun. My God, yeah. wow. And Christian, Christian Bale is from... Uh, Pembrokeshire, Wales, as everyone knows. Pembrokeshire. Pembrokeshire. Wow, okay. Um, yeah, so I think you set up, like, you know, the mark of adulthood is getting curtains. Yeah, that's um, a really that's a really good... And then that's maybe your last shot. That's your last shot. Yeah, and then, like, I don't know that I... I, I to have breakfast on a communal roof, I don't know that I would do it in my 30s. Yeah, there's... Isn't that heartbreaking that we're such a-holes? Breakfast on a communal roof. Yeah, because you're afraid that your neighbors might see. Yeah, come up and talk to you. Yeah, but when you're 25, you're like, I have a roof. Oh, also, what is it with when you're in your 20s, you enjoy socializing with others? Once <laughs> you're like in your 30s and 40s, that's like the worst thing you can imagine. Yeah, it is. Like, like not like I like all of my neighbors. Every time I talk to any of my neighbors, I I'm delighted by it. I'm always like, this person's so cool. But I still am like walking out of the car. I'm like, oh my god, yeah, neighbor. Or like, also, I I think too going out and getting wasted in your 20s is fun but I never had a better time than the morning after when you're still a little drunk and having a post-mortem with your friends about what was done what behavior was done and now I think in your 30s I enjoy spending time with people but I so much more enjoy the mop-up phone calls I have or 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 meetings I have where it's like oh my god that wedding but you know what Susan's a fucking bitch dude and you know what she's never gonna change she's gonna die alone (laughs) like that to me is always more fun sorry Susan I don't have a friend named Susan me neither yeah, my least favorite thing is going to anything with anyone other than my wife uh, in the morning. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, worst, the worst thing I can think of is like, just a, yeah, I don't know. So I think we like get into all this. I mean, I guess the story is kind of about aging. Yeah, it is. And it's also about premature aging because they think that they're, they're kind of the woman watching this and her husband and their baby – the husband and her are thinking kind of like, oh, our lives are, you know, moving towards their end. Yeah, exactly. Um, these people are young and vibrant, and then they lack them. Yeah. Also, what's commendable, too, is that I know a lot of mothers in L.A., and this podcast mentions that she's a new mom once, and it never mentions a child yeah. again. And I worship that about this, because this woman doesn't have a complex about parenthood. Mm-hmm. In fact, she almost seems to use this as a vessel for... Maybe long, like you said, when you become a surrogate or you become the secretary and, and party planner of a child, yeah. um, maybe you, you retreat into something that might be only yours. So there might be maybe a little bit selfish motivation of how much she watched them. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, she's also, one thing parents tell me, not being a parent, is that it's really boring. Yeah. Because like... Hugh Dancy, who's Claire Danes' husband, said right. the best thing they ever did was have a child, but it's constant company and terrible conversation. Yeah, because like, you know... 
there's like little kids who I like my friends' kids who I like. Yeah. Who like they're my kids' friends. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, let's play that game with the witch and the bear. Yeah. And it's like, hi Hera, this is about this is about you. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, let's play the game with the witch and the bear. And I'm like, yeah, the witch and the bear thing is so funny. And then she's like, let's do it again. And you're like, oh, like, I hate it. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. And then it's like, uh, we we did that. Like this narrative needs to move forward. And like, child, it's like kids who's like kids. Kids who watch the same thing on Netflix again and again. Yes. And again. It's like, I like this one thing. This is all I'm going to I'm going to see it for the rest of my life. Like, do you want to see the next one? No. Yeah. No, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. The other thing I like about the story is, like, it's kind of a cool reversal of a Hitchcock setup. Yeah. And I feel like there's a big sort of Hitchcock revival right now. Yeah. For reasons that are baffling to me. Hmm. And I wonder thing, what we could look into why that might be. There's, oh, there's a thing with reporters where they say one, two, how do reporters count? One, two, trend. <laughs> so That's here, so true. Here yeah. are my trends. Okay, give me. My trends are the Black Mirror episode Archangel, which is a total yes. Hitchcock. And Crocodile is a massive. Oh, Crocodile. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Crocodile. So crocodile. Yeah. Thank you. Archangel is. Not you, Jodie Foster. <laughs> You're great. You're perfect. <laughs> um, Crocodile, which is a very great Hitchcock update. Yeah. And then you yesterday interviewed someone about the wonderful movie Phantom Thread. Wonderful movie. Yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson. And you interviewed Vicky... Creeps. I was going to say that wrong. Um, she is a lovely German, of German extraction. Mm-hmm. Um, Luxembourg, I believe. Um, and we talked about how her carrot is it? I don't know. No, goddammit. Um, I am an American. <laughs> I, me too. Who I, means that I didn't study maps. I studied journalism. One, two, Trent. Let's um, be super honest. I'm not even sure if Luxembourg is a city or a country. I think it's a city. I think that we have a resident German we could ask. We could. Beatrice Verhoeven, who's a film reporter, but mostly just our German in-house, <laughs> um, for these Lots situations. These situations. Um, um, next, next episode. Next episode, she's going to come on. Yeah, yeah. She has a really good one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she said that her character... It's, it's Daniel Day-Lewis as a really difficult um, atelier couture designer in the 40s and 50s in London um, who's meticulous and turbulent and a genius but a dick. Uh, and it's very sparse and full of blondes and tailoring and intrigue and tension. So it's very Hitchcockian. Mm-hmm. And her name in the film is Alma. Which and, is Hitchcock's wife's name. And people pointed that out. There was kind of a little bit of one-upsmanship yeah. at the screening where everybody <laughs> was trying to show how much they knew about the name Alma because yeah. she she and um, Paul Thomas Anderson chose the name Alma together. And so some people were like, well, Alma means soul. And she was like, yeah, I know that. Like, that's part of why I named her Alma. Yeah. And then other people were like, oh, well, that was the name of Hitchcock's wife. And just like... Everybody, like, dumping all the information they have about the name Alma, which yeah. is a great name, by the way. And it was a weird term for that Q&A to take after our screening. Yeah. It, was, like a, it was an Alma trivia sesh. Yeah, it was like, I know things about... Yeah. And also, <laughs> my friend next to me, um, my best friend, Juan Montoya, used to go out with a woman named Alma, well, she was a girl then, in high school, and the whole time, I wanted to go, like... Remember when you and I was swimming all of it? Like there was no, there was like no yeah. reason to. All my news that's fit to print. <laughs> and so, um, and so there was just like a lot of all my, all my knowledge data dump. It was really weird. All my children, all my favorite ponies. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, but. That was another another of the Hitchcock points, and this one is like the classic rear window, except with yeah. rear window, he witnesses something that's kind of savage and dark, and in this one, it goes completely the other way, and yeah. she, in the eyes of some of the critics, is the one who's doing something wrong. Yeah. By watching. Yeah. Which is just such a weird, interesting twist. I think it has like a lot of depth to it. Yeah. I like... 
I like the part about growing up. I like the part about domesticity. Yeah, I love I love what are curtains. That might even be the art house Sundance title. What are curtains? Starring Julianne Moore and Dakota <laughs> Johnson. But you know, the name of it is also so good. Curtains. The living room. Oh, the living room. Yeah, totally. Oh my god, I yeah. love those names that are like hiding in yeah. plain sight. Right, and also, by the way, the other thing that um, was so sort of charming to me is. I, and I know this is probably stupid, but I always assume if I'm in a room and I can see you, you're in the room that I'm in in your apartment. So if oh, right. so, I'm like, are they beatniks and are they sleeping and living entirely just in the living room space? Because that to me is even more yeah. kid-ish. Yeah. Um, because like even a, a guy I dated um, had like a five-room apartment. Yeah. And every room was like there was a there was a living room with bookshelves and library and a, and a bicycle suspended upside down. And there was an office. Huh. There was a kitchen, and he never used any of them. He was always in his bedroom on his computer, and that was it. Or eating yeah. at a, eating at a small table. And I'm like, this looks like an IKEA set, and it's really depressing. So I like the idea of those kids in one yeah. room doing everything there. Yeah, and also like you love to look out that window, so of course you wouldn't be next to the window, and you don't really think about the consequences of that. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. All right, so All make right. it. I think, Malloy, it's your turn. Um, do you want to take a little swim with your shark pen? Um, I do have a shark pen. Yeah. I'm going to try to think of a, uh, of a story this week, and I don't, I don't really think I can top the living room. Oh, no. All right. Well, I mean, it's beautiful, and it's singular. And the only thing I'm going to recommend is people go and look for it. Yeah. They look for it. It's called Love and Radio. I think it was repurposed. I think the way I found it, it was repurposed on another platform called Radio Lab. It may have been Radio Lab that was repurposed as Love and Radio. I don't oh, want to swear by either one. Um, podcast politics, but you honestly, guys. they're both golden. Like, yeah. I've never heard a bad Love and Radio, and I've never yeah. heard a bad Radio Lab. You know, maybe, and I'll try, I'm going to call Diane Whitebird and see if I can get a hold of her, and maybe she'll, maybe she'll do a little bit of a bumper for our next episode. Yeah, maybe we could talk to her someday. Yeah, maybe, maybe we could do it like Mark Wahlberg. Like, hey, Diane, you're a real sweetheart. Um, yeah, maybe we should do it in that <laughs> voice. That would make it really easy for her to have a heartfelt, thoughtful interruption. You gotta be ashamed to see living room. What are you gonna do? Look out the walls? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We'll see you very Thank soon. you so much. <laughs>